0: In my day job as a clinical social worker, it's all about problem solving and supporting people through major life transitions. I am driven by my belief in the healing power of our relationships with each other and with caring professionals. On this show, you'll hear from many colleagues and courageous trauma survivors who have chosen to share their stories of recovery. They believe, just as I do, that it's time for a new narrative about sexual violence that does not require survivors to perform victimhood. Our hope is that sharing their stories will be helpful to you, the listener. We've often changed their names and taken steps to make sure they feel protected. I'm humbled by the opportunity to host them and hope you'll hear yourself in these conversations and realize you're not as alone in the struggle. Maybe it'll inspire you to connect with someone you love about your own recovery. Transforming Trauma is presented in partnership with Rachel Grant Coaching, and more resources can be found at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now on to the show. I've been talking to a lot of people lately who have been through trauma and also identify as having a variety of challenges in the workplace, and several of them have no longer been able to work or have chosen not to or feel like they can't, they aren't supported, a lot of stigmatization of mental health issues, and wow, I have been learning a lot about what it means to be a survivor of of trauma um, i don't know how you identify with the with the term survivor or not i'm trying to slow down my assumption that people listening identify with that term but i identify as someone who has survived trauma and i have ident- and i identify with feeling very impacted by work environments and the more i learn about what it means to be a trauma informed provider and a trauma informed workplace a trauma informed graduate program a trauma informed you know person human being the more i understand why i have experienced these challenges over the past several years to a decade and i feel so so encouraged by some of the conversations and and lessons that i've been reflecting on and one of the best resources I came across this past July at a local rape crisis center um, called BARC, the Boston Area Rape Crisis Center, and they collaborated with another organization called Mass Collab, Mass Collaboration, and it says Movement for Access, Safety, and Survivors. Looks like there's a couple other partners, Boston Center for Independent Living, Transit Police. So, hey, a lot of people invested in this work. And there's a guide, a huge, long guide with multiple sections. It's super comprehensive. One section is on onboarding, another is on supervision, supporting staff with boundaries and safety, and it's all focused on creating a trauma-informed and disability-inclusive workplace. And I, I kid you not, I sent this to hundreds of people I know and have not shut up about it, and it's it's been a couple months now since I discovered it. I just think it should be mand- mandated reading and, and training, and I'm just so frustrated that i guess i understand management can only do so much when it comes to training and there's a lot that you can't teach in a training that supervisors and people have to learn the hard way and have to learn through every situation being so unique but it sucks to be on the receiving end of that and being kind of the guinea pig pig for professional incompetency i learned a term this past year called managing up do you know what that means? To me, it means basically you have some skills or 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 tools that maybe your boss doesn't and you're kinda of managing up your you're, you're kinda of holding space for for their stuff in a way that you should not have to do with it with a boss who, you know, has more power for for a reason. Hopefully they're there to support you and you can get your needs met. But realistically, we often go to work and we don't get our needs met. So I think that there's a lot of a lot of things to, to dive into here, and I'm sure I won't get to all of it. But one thing is what I just said, don't expect to get all your needs met. I think for a long time, because I hadn't done my own healing or hadn't resolved a lot of the the wounds from my earlier times in life, when certain traumas were happening to me, certain people were, you know, relationally traumatizing me, people who were meant to to be in trusting, protecting roles, you know that had a big impact on how I would later relate to people with authority, um, people with power, people who were also in positions to kind of protect and support me. Just a, a general distrust. So for a while, I would kind of be hoping to to get a lot of my emotional needs met by coworkers and bosses and and people who I didn't have relationships with, and how'd that go? Not not super well because that kind of leaves me, the person, in a pretty vulnerable state of mind as you go through the work day. And work is hard enough than to have all these attachment stuff and vulnerabilities to rejection and fear of asking for help and fear of being a burden. And there's a lot, a lot to look at um, when it comes to the stuff that comes up in the workplace, how we measure our our value and and our worth in our society is a lot of times tied to our sense of productivity and and our, our identity as workers. Um, some of my colleagues and friends who are not able to work or choose not to right now, they really go through a, a period of shame of feeling like they're not their life isn't as valuable. And I've been trying to educate myself and folks on what this is. This is a form of oppression that we rarely learn or talk about or hear of. I didn't know about it for most of my life, 25 plus years. Um, it's a term called ableism. Look it up, because guess what? I'm not here to, to educate people on ableism. I get that question a lot. And I'll just say in short that it's, it's a form of oppression, kind of like when people experience oppression based on race or class, um, classism, ageism, heterosexism. It's about power dynamics and it's about systemic discrimination. It's about access to resources. What are the barriers to, to thriving in an institution? So an example of ableism for me in the past was um, maybe lack of flexibility to attend medical appointments during the day. So if someone has a, a chronic mental health condition whether it's PTSD or depression or, you know, a personality disorder, a severe anxiety disorder, whatever it is, um, having flexibility in in the work week to be able to go to one or two appointments makes a big difference. And that is something at the current place I work where one could apply for accommodations. um, In in graduate school and schools, they call it the disability office sometimes. And I'm realizing more and more through conversations that a lot of people have never heard of this. They don't get informed about this when they start at a school or when they start at a new job. And that's a huge problem. So that's yet another reason why I love this resource because it it really talks about how institutions can, can begin this process and their responsibility to do so. It shouldn't be on the person who, the worker, I should be saying worker, Shouldn't be on the employee, the worker. It shouldn't be on me. It shouldn't be on you to have to navigate all this disclosure BS and burden of, you know, mental health stigma and trauma stigma. It should be on the institution if they want to really have diversity and uphold the ADA, which please look up the ADA Act, which is why accommodations in the workplace um, are so so important. And there's a lot of. Legal implications if people are, you know, discriminated against and not able to be in the workplace with accommodations. Um, so there's a lot, a lot more nuance to it. But by and large, if you're able to meet the quote-unquote basic functions of the job, um, then you are able to get the accommodation approved. And I'm sure that that's a, a privileged way of explaining it because a lot of jobs out there do not provide benefits and do not kind of abide by. By this law, but it's super empowering just just to learn about and I spent a lot of time in recent years looking at this movement called Docs with Disabilities Nurses with Disabilities just the the hashtag itself will will lend you to articles and news and podcasts all about these very high functioning quote unquote professionals who have navigated and persevered through countless barriers and stigma and and now they're coming out with their stories. It's a different different world we're living in where people can can say, I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm a psychiatrist, and I live with this, this disability, invisible or visible. Um, so, yeah, the first thing I wanted to say was going back to watching where you're trying to get your needs met and if there's a way for you to find a therapist or a coach or just some more mindfulness about the feelings that are coming up for you at work and is it reasonable to expect a boss or a coworker or a work environment to to completely kind of meet some of those needs and kind of to it's not a therapeutic setting i don't think work is supposed to be a therapeutic setting so if you find yourself feeling like some of that trauma stuff coming up feeling really vulnerable to feedback and and maybe it's not about processing it with with a boss or a coworker or you know, trying to make really close friends at work, you know, to each their own. But um, just, just be mindful and curious about where those feelings are coming from and how you might be able to explore it further in the safety of a therapeutic relationship. And two, find find some allies. I know one thing that I found really helpful in recent years was I did a fundraising campaign at work and I didn't realize it at the time, but since it was for uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, I was introduced to several allies because they wanted to support my fundraising campaign. Uh, maybe it was because I was new to the institution, but I think it's because they found the cause meaningful and it really planted seeds for some people who I feel like, you know, a little bit more connected to at work who share an interest and a passion for advocacy and, and supporting reduction of stigma in the workplace. So finding finding your allies. Um, People who maybe you need to have a event sesh with during work or after work, um, but you know, take your time to to figure out who those people are. You can always share more, but you can't share less. Um, and number three, I would say be be patient with yourself and be compassionate because this is really hard. Whatever you're going through, it's harder than anyone probably in your life can can possibly comprehend. I think that no matter how quote unquote trauma informed you are or disability inclusive, everyone's situation is unique and it's not something that can be resolved overnight. And it's not something that's going to be made easier, you know, through a training or or, you know, a, a, some of these concrete changes in, the, in these manuals. A lot of it is personal stuff that you're going to work at for a long time, but it does get easier. And I just wanted to offer that to you as something that I have found is a really common theme for people I, I get to know who have traumatic experiences, struggling at work and staying, keeping a job, staying at a job, staying in school, getting through school. And, you know, mental health can be very cyclical, episodes of depression, triggering events, major losses that, will impact survivors, especially those with childhood stuff, maybe more more deeply and be more destabilizing. So all the more reason to cultivate a support system that is filled with people who who can lift you back up and remind you of, of your goodness when you, when you stray from that inner knowledge of what you deserve and who you are. Um, I guess one last piece of wisdom I want to offer you is to keep a list of the things that you're doing well at work. You might not always get that validation from from people at work who you want it from, but you can get it from other people, from friends and former bosses or coworkers. Cards you get for your birthdays, or you know whatever it is, just keep track of it so that when you have those doubtful moments at the office, you can open that folder um, and you can have that to refer to. Um, so feel free. I'd lo- I'd love to hear from you if you wanna talk more about this or you have any questions or ideas for future topics i would so love to hear from you and i hope that this was useful i'm sending so many warm hugs on this fall evening in massachusetts and please tune in tune in for more there's so much more to say and you can visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore other resources available on the site and be sure to subscribe to this podcast there's a lot i want to share